Hey folks, one of the Redneck Country Podcast. You are on with Real Redneck Tom Millar, and of course, we've got the almost guy, Real Redneck Bill Tom. Bill, are you there? I am here. Good evening, everybody. It's a beautiful night for a podcast. It's a beautiful night for a podcast. And of course, sitting here beside me in the studio is the patriarch of Redneck Country, my father, Real Redneck Tom Millar. Dad, is your mic on? It's on, and I'm here. Had supper, got up from the table, walked over. Beautiful night for a podcast. Todd didn't even cook you supper to come on the podcast Todd tonight. Todd hasn't even had supper to come on the <laughs> podcast tonight. <laughs> well, I guess you would have started if you're eating, or depending on Todd for a meal. So, <laughs> I understand. I can, if you've tasted anything I've cooked, I could see why you would hold out and wait. There is no other food that can oh. compare. Anything else you put in the gullet is just wasted energy. So I could see why you would wait. It's just the problem is I'm so busy. You're going to be waiting for a while. <laughs> you do have a mug. It's the grill master mug. I got it. It says it right on there. I tell you what, people respect. See, <laughs> thank you, Bill. Well, I cooked tonight. Hey. I said you cook? to, yeah, I said to the wife, do you want uh, some hamburger patties? And we put them on bread with gravy and have a hot, hot beef or a, like a hot hamburger. Or you can... Just leave the hamburger without the bread, whatever. We'll have some veggies, potatoes. She said, that sounds good. So I put on some cabbage and broccoli and, uh, what, spinach and potatoes. And, and I got the, the burgers in the frying pan. And she says, which one of these is hamburger? I said, the one on the left. Well, what's the other one? I said, oh, that's a goose burger. And they're in the same pan? <laughs> I said, yep. I said, Every night I cook burgers. I haven't had a hamburger in two years. It's either a goose burger or a venison burger. I cook them together. You've never complained. You've just <laughs> never looked before. So that's what we had. So she won't. She won't even eat the the goose or the. Oh no no. Eat it. We no, talked about fine. this a little bit. I cook suppers a lot, and if I do a roast beef supper or whatever, she even steaks on the barbecue. She's as far as she sits down. She's like, show me the package. She will not oh, yeah. eat. Yeah. No. Gotta, I, I know we talked a little bit last week on uh, the podcast that she doesn't ask and she doesn't, we're not really too concerned about how you guys did, but I thought no. maybe she would enjoy some of the spoils of. Uh, no, nope. won't, even, of won't even try it. Won't even try it. Not oh, a chance. That's too bad. Never has. No. Right from day one. There are some choice cuts of meat cooked right. Oh, yeah. You know, I know, I know when I was, when I was growing up as a kid, there was some, some times I ate venison from when my grandfather shot it and it was terrible. And, and I know that if you were to start somebody on, on wild game in the way that I got started with a waxy feeling in the top of your mouth yeah. and it was, it was not great. It would turn, yeah. turn people off right away. But the way I've had it over the last 10 years or so, when, when we've been butchering it and, and, you know, getting it done up North. And how long it, have you it, known it, me though? <laughs> so, so apparently back then they must not have had a, a Weber grill Academy. No, they, they were certainly not Weber certified. <laughs> it was take it out of the fridge, slap it on the, the cast iron frying pan with a whole bunch of butter and, and whatever you could find for onions and mushrooms that I don't like anyways. But, and that's how you ate it. And if you didn't like it, you starved. You Very don't simple. like onions and mushrooms? Oh, onions, I, I don't have a problem with onions, but mushrooms. Oh, oh I've been cooking mine in portobello mushrooms lately, haven't I, Dad? Yeah, they're delicious. Oh, <laughs> d- delicious, Bill. Did you hear that? Well, they are. Delicious. Yeah. But you're yeah. talking to your dad that ate the iron gut <laughs> meal last week and <laughs> loved it. So yeah. I'm really not certain. I, and I also heard that this story from the man who ate 
uh, I'm not sure the fish patties or what was it? The sucker burgers. Uh, so there you go. Sucker burgers. Yeah. They're <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. You're really losing credibility there, Todd, with your cooking <laughs> abilities with your, your audience. And sucker burger. You got just, Hey, you grind them up and, and away you go. <laughs> oh yeah. They're awesome. Everybody <laughs> listening. There's your takeaway right there. Sucker burgers. <laughs> Grind them up. How did you cook them, Dad? How did you did you use crackers and all that? Oh in yeah, them? You, you cracker you, and eggs. Well, what you do is you crush up the crackers, get a nice pile of soda biscuits all crushed up. Soda biscuits. But you you fill it the catfish or the suckers. You don't worry about the Y bones because you're going to put that through the grinder. Now ground up fish comes out like slop, but it grinds up the right. <laughs> so you you what you do? Yeah. You, you keep one hand. He's selling dry. it. He's selling you, it. You take a handful of that ground up fish. And you run it through a bowl of, of beat up eggs and it's all dripping out through your fingers. And then you drop it into that pile of crumbs. And uh, then you, you brush with your dry hand, you brush the cracker crumbs up on top and flatten it into a patty. And then you, the dry hand that it, it, uh, you lift it off and set it off to the side. And then your wet hand, you do that again. So one hand's wet, one hand's dry. You just got to make sure you got enough crackers to, con- to get them all. <laughs> and do you you fry that in a, a some oil or you put it in a barbecue? Oil, butter, you... whatever. It just fish doesn't take long to cook, as you know. <laughs> so just a couple minutes each side, and oh my gosh, you got a you got a fillet of fish that'll out taste McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. The Millard sucker burgers. I'll tell you what. <laughs> if tough times are coming, you stay out of my fishing holes. Oh, I'll That's tell you, <laughs> the kids grew up on them. They did. They ate them all the time. I, they loved them. And Todd, how did you uh, how did you like those? Dad says I liked them. I don't really remember that much. Yeah, I remember we had a babysitter over one night, and I was making sucker burgers, getting ready to go out, giving the kids supper, and she says, "Sucker burgers? Yep, try one." Holy mackerel! She tried one, and then we went out, and she just kept cooking them. They ate up all my fish. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you learned something every day. I didn't realize that that was such a delicacy. And that's what we're all about here on the Redneck Country Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now it took me a while to learn to cook goose, and a lot of people won't eat goose. Well, I goose. don't like goose. Yeah, but you don't. It, it, it took I, me a while. I will. Like Dad can cook it, but if for the effort you got to put in, uh, just make jerky and be done with it. Yeah, jerky's good, and sausage and pepperonis and pepperette. They're all. It's all good. But I can cook wild goose, and uh, they did eat it when they were kids. But uh, it took me a while to. To come up with a way to cook goose, but it, it's I've good. I've been doing some research, doing some research on it, and they say because it's such a dark, it is um, meat. You cook it almost like you would a roast. That's what he does. Puts it in a roasting pan yeah. with a bottle. Can I tell? Can I say oh, your yeah. secret recipe? You, you got to inject it and put it in a roasting pan, and you baste got, the sucker uh, every fifteen minutes. Yeah, and then when it comes out, you with you consomme. Wait, you got to put consomme in the pan. Consomme, and then uh, like a bottle of cheap sherry. Whatever you put a wine, wine, you know, you put a box, cup of wine, box it, of wine, a cup of wine <laughs> in there with the consomme and that breaks down the the uh, fibers in the meat, and then you roast it nice and slow. And I usually drop in. That's a couple what I mean. Like forever. Like it, it's it's a really slow, long roast, and it and you got to baste it all the time. It's a lot of work, but it's it, it. Oh, it's good once it's done, and then slice it real thin. Oh my gosh, you. Once you got it done, you can't tell the difference between it and roast beef. Now, what honestly. I will say really? is yep. the next day you make a sandwich out of oh, that, yeah. Oh yeah. then it stays moist 
and tender hmm. the next day. And so I do like it for sandwiches. Now the issue is I shoot BBs. Yeah, and so you don't have to worry why. about BBs because I hit them in the head, but dad shoots yeah. twos. <laughs> and so there's a lot more twos in the breasts of those birds. That's why you cut it real thin. And you got to make sure you got a good dental plan. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I've seen the way you shoot decent. Yeah, yeah. All, all in the head. Yeah. All in the head. Yeah. You can tell the ones I shot. That's why somebody said, we got to get that colored shot so we know who shot each one. I said, no, it's just simple. Yeah. Any of the ones shot in the head? They're all mine. One of these days, I'm, I'm going to do that and prove them wrong. I think so. I, I'm thinking, you know, some of that goose we got. Get the, depressed. The time that we went out. Yeah, yeah. You still um, got some of that? Yeah. And you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to start to make some sausages. Oh, My dad, yeah. I'm going to borrow, borrow his, uh, his uh, he's got a grinder. Real, yeah, don't uh, use your own. Borrow his. No, no. I'm going to use his. <laughs> if, if it happens to I run, a, run a little bit of shot through there, steel shot, it's going to be his grinder I'm going to have to replace. With. <laughs> <laughs> so and I, I got a couple ideas there. I wanted to do some, uh, the same way that you do you, you venison sausage, but I'm not certain if I'm going to uh, have, have a problem with that because it, with being foul, you know, uh, bird, bird. Well, uh, let me tell you. So we gave a whack, like we had, I don't even know how many pounds it was absolutely. Cause there's so many of us that, that go out and shoot the geese. Right. And I know, I think we gave at least 60 pounds to a, a buddy that works with Scott. And he said, I'll tell you what, you give me that 60 pounds and I will make, it's like a kielbasa, like a sausage. Yeah. That's like, what right? I was thinking. Yeah. Something and like so that. he's got a giant, he home built a, a smoker out of like a 10 cubic foot freezer. And so he says, all I, all I'll do is I will make it and I just take half. And we're like, like, that's a pretty good deal. Cause I that's know the deal. amount of work that's going into that. So we supply the meat, all the goose, and he's going to make it and then give us half. And I'll tell you, it was awesome. It was absolutely good. Well, goose like it sausage, was- goose pepperettes, Bill, you will love it. And in fact, I don't know if you remember, but when we went, we went fishing for the, uh, what did we go fishing? Oh, on yeah. Remember, That's I brought right, some. Too. I brought some goose. Uh, oh yeah, you had a whole little yeah uh, a charcuterie. Awesome. We yeah. we had a charcuterie dashboard. Yeah, in next uh, yeah, That's right too. We did. It was, and you know uh, what? Yeah, it was breakfast sausage, breakfast sausage and pepperoni. Well, made out of, made out of goose. I know where you're going, Bill. And so I was pumped because I'm like, this is the best deal ever, right? Let's go shoot more geese, drop them off to this dude, and we split it. What an awesome deal. And then he's like, oh, I can't do it again. So what? Because it cost me too much in blades. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so he only did it the once. We got a whack load of it, but he only did it the once. So, so I'm thinking about turning my Weber into a, a mini smoker by taking uh, the top and building a, uh, an insert for it so that I can create more distance between the coals and the actual where the meat goes and turn it into a mini mini smoker. Is this a certified thing with Weber? They're going to let you do this or do you lose your Weber card? No, I think it would become a, a thing. I think they actually sell them as a, an add-on. And uh, <laughs> if I don't tell them that I'm doing this, it's uh, <laughs> it's okay. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm worried about, uh, honestly, the undercooking it and then and having my my stomach turned inside out for, <laughs> for not knowing how to cook uh, goose on, on the, on the barbecue, but I'll try it. What's the worst it's all about happen, temperature. Right? Yeah. You just got yeah, to so, inject it with something acidic, balsamic vinegar, wine, whatever, and, and uh, cook it slow, 
but uh, it doesn't take long. There's no no fat, absolutely no fat in a goose breast. So mm. just cook it slow and take it easy, but you can tell when it's done. It doesn't take long. Well, good. We'll give that a try over the Christmas break, I think. I got some of the packages in, uh, in uh, uh, manageable sizes from what you guys uh, uh, broke down for us there, and yep. ah, give it a shot. So give me something to do over the Christmas break. There you go. Yeah. Coming up, eh? It is. You guys done your shopping yet? Uh, most of it. I only got a few things left. I got most of it done. I'm proactive so, like you, that. I'm a thinker. My shop is done, but this this week for me is rewrap week. See, rewrap? It's yeah, a rewrap yeah, week. Yeah. I've been, you wrapped my, it. You couldn't figure out what your, was in well, it, so you had to rewrap it. My whole week, this week, is rewrap week. And what happens is my wife gets out in the, the uh, end of October, first week of November, and she gets all the shopping done. And then I like to keep up on it because there's a whole whack load of wrapping to do. Well, then she starts just watching the sales. Oh, I got this for Todd. That's cheaper here. Find that package for me. Unwrap it. Uh, I'm going to order it. I'm going to order it from this store. I'm going to go get this store. Here, wrap this up now, and I'll take this one back. So that's what she's been doing all week. <laughs> As stuff goes on oh, sale, look, she takes this, it back. This is online. <laughs> I'm going to order online. Oh, do you want me to go get this so you can take it back? Well, yeah, I'll find it, but don't unwrap it yet until I got that in my hand. So I got which came in today. So she said, How much right. is wrapping paper? Oh, it's inexpensive. She gets because does that uh, counter your bargain? Oh no, she gets it the day after. I got enough wrapping paper right now to last me three years. She asked me today, "Are we out of wrapping paper?" Are you kidding me? No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. So I got a bone to pick with uh, with Best Buy. That's for sure. Oh, is this? Hey, is this is this your pet peeve story of the day? So if I said to you, "Hey, Bill." What'd you do this week? Or how's your day? This, we're going to get hit with this. I'm excited. Let's this, get, let's this, hear this it. This would be be the one. I, I just don't, I don't understand how people think, to be honest with you. Is this a customer this service is, story? Well, it kind of is. It really is. Because I went into Best Buy and Candace is, is, is getting, and it doesn't matter now because of the, the if she listens to the podcast, it's spoil, spoiled anyways. But we she's been uh, itching to get pictures digitized so that she can have uh, an archive of, you know, years gone past. Like she would go to ask her aunt for pictures of her grandmother because her grandmother's passed away many years and she doesn't really have any of the pictures of her as a kid or her grandmother or when they were growing up. But she knows that her grandfather's got boxes of these old 35 mil pictures that he doesn't want to give up. So I got to thinking that Epson or, or one of those companies makes, um, uh, scanners specifically for photographs so that you can digitize and archive your your files that are in boxes absolutely yeah so i thought it was a great christmas gift you talked about it all year uh, about uh, wanting these pictures so i went online and looked and they didn't uh it didn't have any in store and i happened to be in best buy and i went into best buy and i asked the, the guy to order this for me now christmas time you think that they were gonna maybe possibly can- put the item in a box, a package, a something nondescript <laughs> that comes to the door. I like where this I is come, going. <laughs> yeah, you do. I'm about ready to, to go over the edge here <laughs> because I come home and my wife says, hey, there was a package that was delivered for you today. I'm like, awesome. I got a couple things coming in right now. Something that I ordered for that Hunter ordered for his sisters for off Amazon, whatever I'm thinking. 
it could have been that thing we talked about earlier that was guaranteed by eight, eight o'clock tonight. Yep. No, it was Best Buy and they delivered this uh, photo scanner. And all they did was they slapped the label on the box that it comes in and sent it to my door. I'm like, guys. See, but that, to I, me, I don't know, Bill. That's that's not even that bad of a guy. That's, yeah, I don't know. You ruined the Christmas present. It was the only one that she didn't even ask for, that she had no idea that she was going to get, that I, I thought about on my own, that didn't need a text message and a picture. Well, guess for what me now? To be able to figure out. Husband Bill's got to step up the game. <sighs> You just ruined the only surprise that I could come up with in 365 days. And she loves it. Don't get me wrong. Had Dyson, <laughs> she, Dyson's coming out with a new vacuum before Christmas, Bill. Just to give you a heads up. Do you know I bought one a couple years ago oh, for geez. Christmas? I'm not kidding. I bought a vacuum cleaner for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she asked. Oh, Bill. Yeah, and, and you know what else I did, too? I bought her a stove on the weekend, so. Look at you. Know. you. <laughs> But vacuum I, I, cleaner I, stoves and that. I can relate, Bill. I, I, I'd be ticked too. I spoil your surprise like that because that's what Christmas is all about. You plan for Christmas morning. I agree. Morning. I don't want to know what I'm getting ever. No. I don't even want to oops. But no. uh, the whole time I'm thinking, like, Bill, don't you have anything online? <laughs> you you went to the store. Who does that anymore? I went to, oh, I, yeah, I know. I know. I went to the store. I was out. I was uh, doing some shopping, finishing up what I had to do. And Best Buy was there. And I said, hey, they have, I think they have what I'm looking for. See, and I, I stood in the camera aisle and it was awesome. I stood in the camera aisle. I was on my phone for 10 minutes shopping the Best Buy website. And not one person at Best Buy came up and said, can I help you, sir? <laughs> oh, now you got me going. <laughs> I love it. Ask me what I did this week. Ask me what I did this week. Hey, Todd, what'd you do this week? <laughs> okay. I got a compound. So that's not, that's not bad customer service. I will give you bad customer service. So, and why, why, why? Because we're all about building community. And so this is about making you think a little bit better if, if you are this person. So we on, I don't even know what day it was. Yes, I do. It was Sunday because you guys were coming over for lunch, right, dad? You came to our place. No, last Sunday, last oh, Sunday. Okay. I think it was last Sunday. I yeah. don't know. I know yeah, you guys did. are coming over. So the kids, mom and dad were like, okay, well, we're going to get this. And my kids are like, oh, we don't want that. That's old people food, blah, blah, blah. We want pizza. If we're going to eat out with my special treat, we want pizza. And I'm like, you know what? I used to work at Pizza Hut when I was in high school and I haven't had their wings in a long time. And now you say that I could really go for some wings from Pizza Hut. And I actually like their mild wings. So Jen says to me, good luck, because the online order thing ain't working. And I'm like, whatever, like that's it. We're in COVID times. That's what works. So I get on and I download the app and I go through it and I, they have the deal. So I pick the deal. Well, all they have is the boneless bites and I want the wings. I don't want these new age boneless bites. So I'm like, Jen's like, yeah, no, you got to call anyway. I'm like, man, I'm like, okay. So I call and I'm like, look, I want this deal. I don't want the bone. She's like, oh no, on the app, you can substitute. I said, no, you can't. And I'm, I'm a little bit of a geek. I know these things. And she's like, I'm like, I, I, I know where it is. It's not there. Oh, well then what's your name? And I'll just mark it when it comes through that it's the, the it works for me. Perfect. Give her my name. Way we go. So I go back to it. I go all the way through to the payment thing. I put in my PayPal, hit go, goes to PayPal, comes back. Yep. You're ready to go proceed with purchase. I click it and I get a yellow bar it says, or a red bar it says, cannot complete your transaction. What? 
What? Yeah. So I go, okay, maybe it's because of delivery and a bad address or something like that. Like sometimes the postal codes don't jive and I get it. So let's do pickup. I don't care. We'll pick it up. So I do it again through pickup, no dice. So I delete the app, reinstall the app, do it all again. Still no dice. Jen's like, told you app doesn't work. I tried this before. And I'm like, man, okay, that's fine. I'll go online. Forget the app. I'll go on their website and order it. Wait, wait, wait. Did you admit that your wife was right first? No, heck no. Like, come on. No, I'm, just gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering Dude. how far you went with this. <laughs> so yeah, no, cause no, no, no. Anyway. So then I, I get on the website. I do the exact same thing. I get the same error. And I'm like, man, okay. I'm still, I'm a jovial person and I find humor in this. This is ridiculous because could you picture my parents doing this? And this is COVID. <laughs> so like, this is the only way to order your food now. You, you're not going in. So anyway, I, I called and I said, okay, here's the gig. I said, I try to do this. I said, so you were going to write down my thing. Can you take my order anyway on the phone? Like, why am I trying? I've been 20 minutes trying to place an order that should take me two so can you take my, and she goes, well, I'm really not supposed to take a order over the phone. <laughs> I'm like, pardon, like, well, pardon me? When, when I worked there, that's all we did. And I'm like, pardon yeah. me? And she's like, no, it's a policy. And I'm like, okay, well, does your policy have a contingency plan if the app's broken and your website's broken? She goes, well, I suppose I could do it this one time. I said, great. Right. And so my wife is in the background going, I told you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, shh, shh, shh. so I'm like, okay, great. I said, so now you are also going to do instead of the, the boneless bites, you're going to do the wings. And so she hesitates and she says, well, I'm really not supposed to take your order online. And I'm like, okay, but you just said you would. So are you going to, or are you not? Because I don't want to waste more time. And this is exactly how I said it. I'm kind of chuckling. I said, I got, my family coming over, we all want to kind of eat together. So if not, I've got to scramble and figure out what we are going to order. And she's like, and it was like a, a, a switch flipped. She's like, fine then. Well, I'm not taking your order at all. What? And I went, and I, like, this is exactly, I started laughing and I'm like, pardon. She's like, nope, it's, it's a policy. We're not going to do it. And I, so I said to her, you do realize that if somebody's trying to order pizza online and they can't, and it's COVID, they can't come in and eat in your restaurant. There is no other way for me to order your pizza. You do realize that your job relies on customers ordering pizza. So if I can't order a pizza, it's going to cut back on your hours, possibly your employment. She just have a good day. <laughs> and hung up on it. I'm like, well, I, you I know don't what, at that understand. Point, you really want her to make your food, anyways. Well, right. So, but I mean, come on. So, where where's the thought process at all? And that's what I got. I'm like, I, I don't. I I really. I am at a loss for words. Your job is reliant on customers ordering pizza. You just had. And so instead of saying I have a policy that says I can't, how about you flip the script? Call your manager and go. We got a problem. If people can't order. I'm out of a job. Well, I'm out of a job. <laughs> and and it's COVID. If I'm working retail right now, I think I want to hold on to the job I got for as long as I can. It's That's not right. like Walmart is going, oh, 
yeah, we're going to decommission our 14 automatic tellers and hire six more people to come and stand at it. No, that's not happening. People, open up your eyes. Like it, it blew my mind. It absolutely, I just thought, wow, there was a lot of thought process in that conversation. And I wasn't mean because I, I used to work there. I get it. I can relate it. I'm kind of, I'm chuckling. But after that, I'm like, that was the weirdest thing that has ever happened. Yep. And it, could this person be the next one going complaining that, well, this, yeah, I have, I'm not going to have any hours. <laughs> you're your own yeah. worst enemy. It's, anyway, it's going to happen. So I will top so, your bad customer service. Yeah. So that's how, Hey, welcome to Redneck Country where, yeah, we yeah. have nothing to do with the outdoors and hunting. We're going to talk about cooking and bad customer service. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, but now you got my blood pumping. We're good to go now. Yeah, that's good. So, I get yeah. you all fired up. Let's tell some stories. All right. Where are we going? Where are we going? I don't know. I kind of like to hear about the end of your hunt. Uh, the oh, week. There was some, because some I said, and I even built it up like a couple of podcasts. I got to hunt something that I had yep. never got to hunt in my 20 years of hunting. And I was so pumped. It was awesome. I'm ready to hear the story. And so I, dad, you, you've, you hunted them way back in the oh, day. Oh, heavens. Yes. But I never. So the only time I've seen this animal was way early in the morning, putting out goose decoys in the headlights of the truck and it would take off as you're walking in the field, whether it be a, a hay field or a cornfield, cut cornfield, whatever it is. So to, to prelude all of this, a couple years ago, when I was walking down to get into my stand where Scott actually shot his deer opening morning this year, I was going down into that stand and as I was walking in, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a low lying ground. And you, we, we talk about, if you listen to the last week down the Valley, I call it down that, the, the, the drop, like the, the ravine, but it goes into a big open Valley and there's a Creek that runs through it. So right along the edge of the Creek, I got a tree stand and it's really tall. It's like 20 something feet and I can shoot across the Creek and I can shoot right on that side of the Creek and it's awesome. So it's a good tree stand. While you're walking into it, you got to drop down and it's really down in a, in a low spot. And there's lots of, I don't know, like thistles and thorn bushes, but there's deer runs all through it. And it's almost like you're, you're stepping into the bedding area, but they don't typically bed there. They'll, they'll bed just up from where my stand is like a good hundred and change yards away. So it's a good spot. So walking in a couple of years ago, I put up a woodcock and I couldn't believe it because I'd only Never really seen. I mean, there's been the odd time I'd be bow hunting in October on the edge of a field, sitting in my stand and a woodcock would buzz me just before dark. And I'm like, that was a woodcock, but never prevalent enough to go back in and hunt. So a couple of years ago, that happened three, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago. And so as I was walking and I, I did a little mini drive there one day that same week, and I put up another woodcock. And I said, holy crap. So we shot a bunch of deer. We had one tag left and my brother-in-law had it and he wanted to keep it to use to shoot with his son. So they went out and got in the tree stand. And I said, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to sit too. And then come around 10 o'clock, I'm going to get down, pull out the 20 gauge. And then I'm going to walk through that bottom and I'm going to push the deer to you through this area and woodcock hunt at the same time. That's awesome. And uh, that wicked, right? Never seen a woodcock. Like, man, so didn't happen. Didn't happen. So this year, Scotty says he goes into that stand and he says, I put up a couple woodcock walking to my stand. And I'm like, no way. So as the week went on, 
Scotty shot a deer. Actually, Scotty shot a deer that, that morning. Shot two down there that morning. And so, and then the story that I told her, I shot Bob's buck, same spot. Yeah. So, same spot. yeah. So we were walking down through that. And it, I mean, it's a long ridge along the creek. So as I'm walking, we're, we're, we got Bob's buck. I shot it. And then we go down and we're, we're looking for Scott's doe and we're tracking it. And as we're tracking it, I put up two woodcock. And Scott says, yeah, I put up a couple this morning too. And I'm like, well, heck, let's tag out so that I can go grab the 20 and I can get down here because this does not happen for me every day. I have not found woodcock in a bush where I could hunt, like even rabbit hunting. You, I don't put them out. I just, you don't put them out down there. No, they, we they do just, they, they used to be around, but they, they were overhunted. Or well, the rumor is the chemicals way back in the 60s, 70s that the farmer used and it would soften the eggs and then oh, yeah. it, it cut down like the CDCs or whatever the heck they call it. They quit. They ban them in the late 80s, early 90s or whatever. So apparently they're, so they're, they're sure. making a comeback, right? Same with grouse. Nice. They're saying, but I haven't seen a lot of them either. And in fact, I've, I've heard less because you used to hear that that motor in the bush, oh, yeah. the, right? That the doom, drumming sound. And I don't even really hear that much. You do hear it turkey hunting all the time. And I really don't hear that. So I don't really know if they're on a comeback or not. And there's a lot of hunters now anyway. So in our area, it's it's pretty tough. We got a woods where we knew there was a couple. We'd take turns hunting them. But Woodcock, definitely not. Like just the only time I had put them up is putting goose decoys out. And I mean, it's not even all. It's like once a season or twice a season. You're like, there's Woodcock in this field. And you go back and they, they wouldn't be there. So... I was, I was pretty pumped. So I said, let's tag out. Well, it took us till Friday. We still had a tag. Like we quit hunting Wednesday, Thursday, but Friday went back and we had one tag. So I told my buck store, I shot that in the morning. So by the time we got it up from the bottom, which was a good ordeal with the four wheeler and pull it up and we gutted it and we hung it and all that stuff. I had lunch, went with mom and dad, went to Wendy's, had lunch. And then I said, okay, it's two o'clock. I'm going back out woodcock hunting. We're done. We're done black powder. We're tagged out for deer. I'm going back in woodcock hunting. Well, good luck. So you don't want to come? No. So, all right. Scotty didn't want to come. He was going Christmas shopping. All right, I'm gone. I'm going. So I went down in by that tree stand and came up. And sure enough, the exact spot that I put one out on Monday, one jumped right up in front of me and it started to go. And if you've ever, have, have you ever hunted woodcock, Bill? I have never hunted woodcock. Have you seen them? Have you put them up? I don't know if I have, to be honest with you. Like they're not that prevalent in in, in any area that I've I've hunted. Before. No, well, and so like, and that's it. Like I, my brother in law is like, I don't even know what they look like, and so I I say they're like the size of a softball, and it's almost like your kids make a snowman in the front lawn, like a ball and a ball. The head is almost when you see them flying, it's like a softball with a ping pong ball stuck on their on the softball, yeah. with a long beak, with a long beak, yeah, with a long beak, right? So it, that's that's how I describe them. So they jump, but man, when they fly, are they wicked? I mean, they come up and they're a distinct sound. It's like a whistling. <laughs> And they just zing back and forth. And the best way I can describe it is like an X-Wing flying. Like if you watch Star Wars, the way that they yeah. dip and dive. That's the best way I can describe it. Almost, or like the what, the what the speeder bikes in, in, in yeah. Endor. Yeah, like on Return of the Jedi. They're whipping through the woods. Like these things just zoom, 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 zoom. like they, they move. And they're so fast. I thought, man, this would be so much fun to hunt. So I took the little 20 gauge. This thing jumped up in front of me. I threw that gun up as fast as I could. And well, holy Jesus, it's wood. And I'm fighting. 
the, oh my gosh, I've got a, a shotgun in my hand. He's, I've only put him up with a black powder gun in my hand, right? Like a 50 yeah. caliber. Now you got a chance. And so I'm, yeah, I'm trying to hold back the excitement and, and keep calm while this butterball jumps in front of me and takes off. I get the gun up, pull the trigger, and I'll be darned if it doesn't go down. Oh my gosh. Shot it in the head. I am so pumped. I got my first woodcock. And I tell you what, I was posing with it. I'm taking pictures. I fired it off to Scotty. I think I fired it off to you, oh, Dad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's another nice picture look. on that, too. Nice looking bird. I pretty much think that they thought I was going to come up scratched out like skunk no way you're getting a woodcock like there's there's not happening so i thought you know what if i'm a woodcock there's no way i'm hanging out here alone and then if i have any thought process there's no way i could only shoot one if there was two hanging together so i must do my due diligence and continue to hunt woodcock so that i can't leave one lonely in the woods Sounds like the the ethical uh, thing to do. Completely, you know? completely. So I kept on, I went all the way. Like I, I was down there for a couple hours. I went all the way and didn't put up another woodcock. And I went, man, I've been told that they're, they'll be in coveys of five or six. There's no way there's going to be just one. So man, I am, I am hunting hard. Well, right back, all the way back to where I shot the first one, there's a little dip in the woods. And I mean, it, it probably drops 10 yards and goes down. So I went down that dip. And just as I hit the bottom of the dip on my way back now, up jumped another one. I, oh my gosh. I wasn't quite as quick on this one because there was a tree between us and it careened right. And I thought, holy geez, put the gun up, pull the trigger. Boom. Down it went. Oh. Knocked him down too. Knocked one shot, both birds. Like one shot on the first one, one shot on the second one, put him down. And now I realize why people have dogs. Oh, yeah. So it, it is a brown. I mean, we are in November. The woods are brown. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, where is this woodcock? So it took me and I was panicking because I oh, this is woodcock. I I just shot my first two ever woodcock. Like, I'm telling you, I'm so pumped. And, and oh, the work that I had put in for these woodcock like i was walking through kicking brush like how i don't know how deep they sit was the first one it was pretty close when it flushed but was that just because like it, it was a one-off thing do i gotta get right on top of them do i need to be even closer than that one yeah, like oh there it. was so I, and i don't know so at this one they were about the same distance i mean they were only probably five to ten yards when they flushed on me uh, the second one was a little further but so I'm, I'm looking and I'm looking. And so after 10, 15 minutes, I finally found, I'm on my hands and knees and thickets and thorns and I finally found it. And so dude, I was so pumped. It was the best. Ugh, I wish they are so much fun to hunt and shoot. Like when you go, I've been quail hunting. we done the chucker. we done pheasants. Uh, I've shot wild grouse, uh, done it all. Uh, almost wild grouse is almost as fun, but there's nothing that compares to woodcock just because they're small light little buzz bombs man these things go and they just take off and they're they fly so it's like a bat in the night but during the day try to they don't fly straight they oh, dive and they're like a, yeah they're like a, an insane bat on crack and speed <laughs> and, you, and, you and know, you're able to uh to harvest one that's too actually two. Awesome. oh dude i was so pumped and you know what that's an exciting story, and, and Todd's ball pumped. But you know what's sad about that? 40 years ago, and this is when, before Todd was born, and even when he was just a little guy up to five years old, I would go out rabbit hunting every Saturday. I'd work all week, every Saturday out rabbit hunting. 
And it was nothing to come home with a couple rabbits, maybe a couple quail, a couple woodcock, and a grouse. It, it was nothing. You'd see them all four out rabbit hunting every time you went. And you don't do that today. You just kind of makes you makes you a little sad. You're right. Uh, yeah, and it, how and, things and used I'm, to be. You guys never got to experience that, seeing them all the time. And Todd said to me, "Do you want to go? Because we've finished up hunting. Do you want to go?" I says, "No, you go. You go do it. You go experience it. Because I know that I would have took the other little twenty. We got matching twenties. I would have took the other little twenty, and I would not have been able to hold back from trying to shoot one of those birds. And then." You know what? I, I would have beat them to both and I'd have shot them both and he'd have never got the experience. I don't know. I think it would have been difficult for you to get off my the piggyback that I was having to give you through the woods to then mount the gun. I'm not certain. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty impressive, though. I, you know, I, I have a hard time, uh, you know, with grouse hunting. I get surprised a lot. And I can't get the gun up fast enough to, to be no, able to. No, really? No. It, you know what? I've, I've had some good opportunities. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've shot lots of ducks in the wing and I've, I've been surprises are coming in, get up and go. But if I'm walking in the bush, I, I, guess, I guess I'm focused on listening and uh, what's going on. And I get surprised every single time. But that's the best <laughs> time because I think you've got to be because to shoot them. It's got to be instinct. You got to know where that gun shoots. You got to know, like, you've got to have, uh, we talk about it in, in, in our trap shooting and other in sporting clay podcasts, right? You've got to know where that gun shoots, which I do because I rabbit hunt with that gun all the time and, and I've used well, it in skeet and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I know where that gun, because it's instinct. You don't have time to think, which I think is the best because the best shooter is a dumb shooter. Like they tell you in trap shooting, you got to turn your brain off right? It's yeah. just see the target, shoot the target. And it's got to be instinct. It's got to be built. It's got to be inherent. And when those things surprise you, like rabbits jump out and surprise you, grouse jump up and surprise you, woodcock jump up, that's the best because you just throw it up, pull the trigger. You don't have time to think. And that well, gun clear. is on the mark. See, and this is where this is where the, the conversation goes. When I'm hunting on, uh, I think it was Friday, Friday morning, Thursday afternoon, I'm not sure what day it was. TJ and I went for a walk around the, the property up north and I showed him some things that he's never seen before because he doesn't usually hunt, you know, the uh, the 150 acres that my uh, my my dad and his uh, partners, uh, hunt camp partners own. We hunt the uh, another 150, 200 acres behind that. So he spent a lot of time there and and he's never really walked our, our bush. So I showed him a couple of different spots and rounds and drop offs and what, while we we're hunting a partridge at, uh, at the same time, rough grouse is what we call them up there, but, yep. and we get into a spot and the bush is so thick that when that bird, uh, comes up from underneath wherever it is, by the time I, I get the gun up, it is so dense all the way around that there is no way that I'm getting the shot through <laughs> that to be able to. That's yeah. why so now, you got to have the person on the outside of that density <laughs> yeah. pulling the, yeah. pulling the trigger. Right. Well, maybe that's what we were doing. We were kind of walking uh, to a breast cause it was just the two of us. Yep. We were, it, you know, it, we'd kick a bird up and then it would, it would fly and we kind of watch where it landed and then we would hunt around it. And then we would get up to where it land, landed and sure enough, we'd kick it up again and it would, you know, I'd get the gun up and then all of a sudden there was, nothing but bush all the way around and I said I'm not going to shoot through that and 
I think we chased this one bird around for half an hour and, <laughs> and it would just fly in front of us. <laughs> I thought we were going to have a whole mess of partridge when we came home and, and we didn't that's end up awesome. getting anything. You know? Well, and I'll tell you, but, that's what, so me and dad have a bush and I don't know if we talked about this before or not, but we know there's grouse in there. And there was, we'd always put up a couple grouse. We go rabbit hunting. And so we'd always put up a couple grouse. So we said, you know what? We're going to go in and each, each year we'll take a turn. And so I have the, I, I typically try to mount the first of every species I shoot. So that woodcock's in my freezer. It's going to get mounted. Oh, nice. That's, that's so, going to look good when it's done. So, oh yeah, absolutely. I was going to mount them as a pair, but the second one, the first one I shot in the head. The second one, I think... I shot it in the head, but then some pellets must have bounced off a tree and hit it in the body too. It's the only explanation. Yeah, because it really it was kind of missing a wing, and and so yeah, it just if, if you <laughs> mounted it, it would it, it would have looked like a three year old's craft project. So yeah, <laughs> regardless, I got the first one, and it's pristine. So anyway, so we would go and we would rabbit hunt and we knew as we got up to this one spot, it always held the grouse. So we would say, okay, whose turn is it this year? So I remember the year it was dad's turn. So I shot mine the year before. I remember the year it was dad's turn because the one guy, and take, take note, Bill, but one guy goes in the field. The other, it's a strip. So it's a big wide bush and then it goes to a strip that splits two fields. And that's where the grouse would be is in this strip. And the strip's probably still a good 40 yards wide, but it's thick with pine trees. Okay. And so we we typically only hunt rabbit when there's some snow on the ground because you can't see them otherwise. And it's just frustrating watching flashes of brown blast by you. <laughs> yeah. So there, the pine trees are covered in snow and we typically know this is where the grouse are going to bust. It's going to be along this strip somewhere. So dad goes out in the field. All right, go out in the field and I'm going up the middle through the thick stuff. And I know I'm not going to get to shoulder my gun because it's going to be thick. I mean, I'm, I'm fighting thorns and thistles yeah. and thicket and, and pushing pine limbs back. And, and I mean, and I'm this down. Is, this is the exact covert where I got the thorn right square in the eye that I told about last podcast that this thicket right here, but it was and before you Todd was down. born. It was before Todd was born. Huh. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Yeah. So, so I go down through the middle and so I come to the first really big pine tree and the bottom branch is covered in snow so much that it's come down and the snow has made a drift over that bottom branch. I got to climb over a fallen tree, two fallen trees. And I mean, I got, they're, they're chest high. So I got to get up and over them to get into this thicket. And I, I and then my theory is I start grabbing pine branches and shaking them because they'll sit in those pine branches, like eye level or a bit higher. And then you grab the right pine branch, all of a sudden, and then they're gone. So I just get over this tree, this down tree, and hit the, and right at my feet, in the snowbank underneath this pine limb that's hung down, that the snow is pushed down, and snow is falling in, and it's coming up, and I'm yelling, gross, 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 and then this thing shoots through that tree right at dad. Dad lines up on it. Did you want to take it from here? No, you go ahead. <laughs> so dad lines up and I'm yelling, grouse, grouse, grouse. So he goes to put it. Well, this grouse goes eyeball level right at him like a laser beam and comes <laughs> that he has to put the gun down and he swings backwards, moves his body as this thing goes right past his face, whoom, right by him. And then he's got to turn and put the gun up 
pulls the trigger and hits it at like 35, 40 yards as it's careened back to go back in the woods we came through. And I, did you get it? You got it. You got it. Yeah, you got it. Whoa. But uh, insane. I mean, that is the kind of gross hunting that we do. And that's kind of, but Bill, we got to put that guy on the outside because you, I, yeah, there's, no, there's way. no way I'm watching it. it. I could watch it for 20 seconds as it's trying to get out from under this. And I, there's no way I'm so thick. I couldn't get my gun up and get it pointed at the grouse. And that's kind of probably what we should have done too. Cause it, we, the, the grouse that we were hunting was, uh, this spot where I actually shot one of my bucks, uh, many years back, we call it the, uh, the sniper stand is what it is because it used to be overlooking this field and you could see for probably about 150 plus yards and you were actually in a sniper perch is what it felt like when you're in this tree but back behind that we call it grouse ridge and on grouse ridge obviously is they shot a lot of grouse there and we were coming through the thick stuff and what i should have done was sent him up to the top of the hill so that when i was coming up through the, the the bottom of that uh, thick stuff if I had a flushed anything and what I did is I flushed it and it went right over top of Grouse Ridge right past the sniper stand and right <sighs> into the, the field and if I had been smart enough to you know tell to, to position us differently one of us would have had a shot at, at that that bird but that's why I'm the almost guy you know <laughs> <That's> <laughs> this, awesome. this is what it is <laughs> you, you gotta remember when by the time Todd started hunting gross with me he was 15 and so years and years ago, before he was old enough to hunt, he wasn't along. And the most that I ever shot in one day was three. The limit was five per day. And the most that I ever ever bagged was three per day. So I used to have a saying, you never saw every grouse you heard. You never got a shot at every grouse you saw. And you never hit every grouse you shot at. So to bring home three, you knew how many birds we were busting in a day, and you just don't do that anymore. You just don't. That's awesome. Yeah. No, it's pretty yeah. wicked. I know what you're saying though about chasing them and and fuck because we there was there was other years that there would be one takeoff out of that woods that you wouldn't get a shot at because it just busted way in front of you or somewhere too <laughs> thick and away, and we watch it go into the into the pine row that is really just a pine row, like just a bunch of trees separating one field from the other, just one line of pines. And so then we'd go down there and you'd be walking along, grabbing pine limbs and shaking them. And it would bust out right above your head. And the one guy's on the other side of the pine trees and he wouldn't see it. And you can't get a shot because your hands are up grabbing pine limbs, shaking them. And you'd watch it go and then land in another one. So you'd run down there and you'd shake that pine tree and then it yeah. and fly back the other way and you'd end up chasing them forever. Yeah. <laughs> Same darn so Finish that gross uh, walk up. TJ and I decided you know, we were on our way to the stable field where I shot my buck and, and he sat in uh, my, my stable field stand. Uh, uh, one sit or two sits and I was already done hunting at that point in time. But we both at sitting in the stand saw grouse walking underneath he said it was like a, a grouse party one day he had two grouse under the stand one and one out front i'm like okay well let's learn from what we just did about chasing these birds and we'll split up and he can go around to the atv trail and then come into the the stand from uh, from the east and i'll and i'll come in from the south and kind of see if we can flush it to the middle and sure enough it worked only thing is we couldn't shoot to hit the broadside of a barn, but <laughs> what, what, what happened was it, he, he come across the, the stable field and flushed a bird up and it landed 
And I heard it land. And then he says, Bill, hold on. And I hear kerpow, because he's shooting a little 410. And he's off to my, my right. And he says, I missed. And I said, I could tell because that bird jumped from under, under. He says, I shot right underneath it and it didn't fly away. It hopped up and landed on the limb right in front of him. <laughs> well, he, he's got a single shot 410 and I've got a 12 gauge. And we're far enough apart. I said, <laughs> I said, hold on. I got it. I got it. And, and you know, I, I wasn't shooting towards it. He was far enough back. I said, don't move. I got it. And I took the shot and I missed. I shot right underneath it. That bird flew up and it was gone. <laughs> nothing, nothing coming. So, I mean, to your point, Don, you don't get everyone you shoot at. And, you know, I mean, Speak it was far yourself. enough away. <laughs> I know it was standing on the branch and it wasn't flying on the wing, but <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> it, it's still out there. <sighs> Put call it the, the almost gross. It almost got <laughs> shot by the almost it, guy. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. We, uh, we're we're better deer hunters than we are wing shooters. So that's awesome. That's uh, now I want to come up. There. I'm waiting for my invite, Bill. We do some grouse hunting. Oh, there's there's grouse up there. There's uh, there's the grouse, and uh, actually there's uh, there's turkeys, which uh, I'm hoping my brothers do on uh, podcast next week. Ah, really we get to hear the to turkey, turkey story. story. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, he's more excited to tell that story than he is to tell his deer hunting story. To is it really? Hey. Yeah, that's awesome. Ah, we're excited. So, I can't wait. I can't wait. No, that's that's, that's wicked. Good. Yeah, I I just uh, it, it, there's nothing like going in that expectation of oh my goodness, you know the birds are there, and then when they actually show, and ah, oh, it just it's it's awesome. It's exhilarating, and then okay. it's a fun fun way of hunting. If you got a buddy with you, you're not having to be quiet. You're not having to be all no. serious. You're walking along, talking, having a blast, yelling. Ah, here it's gross it's a it's a riot it's fun yeah it's a good time uh, i I got a picture in my head of pheasant hunting in a field and flushing them out and then having them that is not how you grouse hunt you're in (laughs) thick deep bush is cedar cedars all around getting hit in the face by brambles (laughs) my arms were tore up from you know, yeah. whatever. getting I thorns getting, in your eyes oh. that you got to get surgically removed 40 years later. <laughs> it's all part of the hunting passion, right? Don? <laughs> it's true. That's a true story. Yeah. Yep. And we've done, uh, we've done the, uh, the farmed hunt for, for quail. I don't like doing it for pheasants. I don't like the pheasants are big and slow and uh, uh, wait, it's been a couple podcasts since I said this. I, I may come across as arrogant <laughs> and and cocky, but to me, they're just too easy to hit. I'm not a fan. Like, Dad, back me up on this. Pheasants, you you go out, you buy pheasants, and you go to a game farm, and they're just like shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah, we we typically would rather uh, shoot quail or quail. chuckers. Even the chuckers are a little bit big, but we go out and 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 we've done it different ways. We've done the the first time we've done a, a game farm one is you know you walk a. The, the the people that run it have like a, a set little spot where they'll put the bird, tuck its head. And the first time it's like, oh, the second time you go, you're like, oh, wait a minute. This is the exact same spot we shot one last time that the bird, the dog's getting. He's got to have like a cage over in there behind that bramble or something, you know? So yeah. it's not like hunting. Well, the last time we went, we, we Exeter Game Farm and nice guy. We've been there a couple of times now. And he, to, to my mind, he, he does it fairly accurate to actual hunting i mean there's still farmed birds but so we don't do the the pheasant and the 
and the chucker anymore, but the quail, cause it's more fun to, more fun to hunt. We'll buy a bunch of quail and then he'll go out, drive a truck with a cage and the quail. And one guy drives the truck. One guy sits on the back and, and he's got different types of crop across this huge field. And he just takes them out and throws them into the grass or into the crop. And then you go inside and you hang out in his, his barn for an hour or so. And the theory is they'll, they'll coo and covey up into five or six, uh, little cove, like coveys of birds. And then he's got, he's got dogs and everything else. So away you go and, and you can take your own dog if you got one, but away you go and, and then you hunt. And that's, to me, it's more realistic. Right. And, and, and it's fun because that, the, yeah, it sounds like fun. I mean, it's, it, it there's, there's still the opportunity to, to to hunt over a pointed dog that's uh, yep. on a bird, and and the birds it, can run, and it's it's more free range, right? So, to me, it's more accurate. I, you just don't find quail around anymore, but it, I mean, there's there's nothing to me that can touch woodcock hunting now, and then yeah, and grouse so hunting too. Like our stories of grouse hunting, I won't go grouse hunting now, but there's nothing that can can touch those. But that would probably be the next best thing, and if it's done right. It's a it's a pretty good time. Like we have a blast doing that. Yeah, doing the quail hunt. We would typically book an afternoon hunt because <laughs> lots of times the hunters in the morning, it, like we're we, we do bought a lot twenty. Of hunting. Yeah, I, I don't know how to say this without sounding arrogant, arrogant but, or cocky. Yeah, gee, but I can buy it honestly. You know, we've hunted enough. I've hunted. I've hunted since I was fifteen, and so I feel that I'm an accomplished wing shot. I don't hit everything I shoot at, but. I bring down a lot of birds on the wing That's and why I'm I'm bird there. hunting. But so if you go in the afternoon, there are groups of guys that will have bought pheasants and chuckers and everything and go out in the morning and they don't harvest all the birds. Well, those birds are still running around in the area. And so if the dog finds them, points them and flushes them, they're free game for you. So, yeah, yeah, and yeah, he and, said that, right? And yeah. he goes, wow, you guys are, you guys are pretty good shots. So and in I the said, really? We would get most of our quail, pretty much every. No, quail. no, no. We got so and how then, it went but, the last time we went. He said, "You guys are pretty good shots." He goes, "This morning, they weren't too great." And he's like, "But you guys haven't haven't missed anyone." It was when it was all said and done. We shot. We bought twenty, and I think we shot twenty six quail. We didn't buy any pheasants. We came out with three pheasants and a couple chuckers. Yeah. So <laughs> we, and he's like, "Hey, they were paid for by this morning. You yeah. might as well shoot them." So yeah, you know, might as well. pick an afternoon hunt and get the leftovers. Yeah, it was awesome. Sorry. And he's yeah. like, "You guys are pretty good shots." I thought we only paid for twenty. Is he going to charge us more now? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to do that once, you know, just to have the experience to to hunt over dogs that are trained. I mean, I bought a. Uh, a female chocolate lab. I think I've told this story in the podcast before that was supposed to be my, my hunting dog and only to find out she can't stand the feel of feathers in her <laughs> mouth. And, uh, you know, like I, oh, this is just the story of what happens with me, right? <laughs> I, I almost got a good hunting dog. So I got a, a female chocolate lab that, that can't stand uh, hunting birds. It's ridiculous. It's like a man that can't drink coffee. Yeah, I'm having, a, I'm having a nice tea. tea and, <laughs> I drink coffee. We talked about this already. Oh, I know, I but if, if you admit that, I can't make fun of you as much. Mm. <laughs> That's true too. You're absolutely right. So, oh. I think that was a good uh, good conversation tonight. Yeah, I enjoyed. We got that. a few more stories that we uh, we gotta have to save till next time. Now. We, we do. Oh, I know. I got stories that I I I've been dying to tell. I got some. I want to get into like crazy stories. Like what is the funniest or the stupidest thing that has ever happened? I was telling, I forgot about a story. I was, I'm not going to get into it now. We'll save it for another time. But I was telling Megan and her friend when they were over here 
about a, a duck hunt where I was getting attacked by all kinds of animals and there's nothing <laughs> I could do about it. I'm up to my waist in water and I'm, I'm getting attacked. So I'll save that one. But that's I thought, holy crap, that's a story to tell because there's so much you can learn from the habitat that I was in for what I was going after. And then there's, there's just the, the audacity of these animals that they didn't like me there and didn't realize I had a gun. But yeah. <laughs> but they still lived and, and I yeah. was the one put out, but it was still a good time. It was pretty crazy. So I got that story. I got a whole bunch that in, in that, that kind of arena that I'm excited to Some, tell. Someday I'll have to tell the story about the, the, the 10 hour deer uh, that I shot while uh, I was hunting with Pee And when I hunted there, it was a, a bunch of happy accidents that turned into a, an okay ending, but that, that was fun. That, that was a a good, crazy story that, that took all day to get this deer. But uh, I think it was a, a lesson in tenacity and, and, and never giving up until the very end. But, and making it happen. You know, yeah. And it all started with, with something I, I did in the deer woods. So, That's awesome. There you go. That's wicked. Yeah. Right on. Well, I think we should wrap this one up then. That was, uh, that was good. I think so. We're probably hitting our time limit. And next week we got your brother on. So that's, I'm pumped yep. about that. Wicked. That's going to be good. Two Toms uh, are better than one. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it, gentlemen. You enjoy your week and uh, try to stay off the retail trouble. Front, <laughs> yeah, well, and you shop online. Quit quit going and bugging people and making them work. What, what's up with I'm that? I'm done. <laughs> making I'm, people think. I'm, I'm no longer going to stores. I'm not allowed. We're out. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you bought me that as a gift. You're You're cut off shopping. You're done. That's it. <laughs> I don't want a gift. Well, don't surprise take, me again. <laughs> you take care, Bill. We'll talk to you next week. I'm going to walk home and I'm going to do a little more rewrapping. All right. Good night, gentlemen. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Take care. Bye-bye. And that'll do it for this week, folks, for the Redneck Country Podcast. I'm Bill, the Almost Guy Tom. And I'm Todd. And thanks for listening. And folks, if you want to be part of the podcast or you want to give us some feedback or really contact us about anything, feel free to email us at podcast at theredneckcountry.com. Again, that's podcast at theredneckcountry.com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you again next week.